Welcome to the Directions Mag Geo Inspirations podcast series with Joseph Kursky. Well, greetings all. Welcome to another edition of the Geo Inspirations podcast series, the Geo Inspirations podcast series, where we feature a number of fascinating people that are in some sort of aspect of geospatial technology, education, GIS, environmental science, geography, etc. I'm so thrilled today because I have one of my all-time favorite people and one of the true pioneers in GIS education, Anita Palmer. Anita, welcome. Well, hello, Joseph. Good morning. And thank you for having me. Oh, gosh. This, this has been a long-time dream of mine. I was looking at all of the amazing, wonderful people we've had in this podcast and text series over the past six or seven years now. And I'm thinking, why isn't Anita Palmer in here? Now, I think a lot of people know who you are, but for the benefit of the listener, if you could describe what's your current position, or maybe in your case, positions, and a little bit about the journey that you've, we can dig this into deeper detail in a bit, but your, your journey into these positions. Well, okay, Joseph, here we go. You know, when you asked me to do this, I was like, why is he asking me for Pete's sakes? This is, um, I'm not a GIS professional, but I do have a certain passion for geospatial uh, education. And what I'm doing right now is that um, I am a geospatial education consultant, and I have been uh, for since um, probably about 2000. And 2001, actually, is when I full-time went, became a full-time consultant. Uh, where I am today is that I am working with uh, National Geographic on a their second edition, if you will, Mapmaker or Mapmaker 2, helping them realize that for the classroom. And we can talk some more about that. I am also working with Cengage. I started about 18 months ago, a book publisher, creating GIS activities, brief GIS activities to go along with the chapters. So for instance, uh, the book that we finished about 18 months ago was their new AP Human Geography. So Advanced Placement Human Geography. And I wrote uh, two activities for each unit, and they're encompassed in a story map. And so it is a seamless, simple way for teachers to integrate GIS into uh, the use of that particular textbook. I'm working on several others at the moment, and I'll just leave it at that. There are more textbooks to come. And then the other, I am also working on um, a project through uh, with um, another fellow, uh, because I started my relationship with National Geographic um, Mapmaker as a fellow in 2019. And then they picked me up after my fellowship year was extended in 2020. They picked me up as a consultant over the last year. With that, I met another fellow by the name of Ashley Lamb Sinclair. And she came up with this um, notion of really working with wayfinders in communities to capture and create stories of uh, social justice and within their communities. So it is called 2892. And all I am doing um, is actually 
putting that into story map form. So telling the stories of these communities. The first community we worked on was Louisville. And we've now also done some other communities as well. So they'll be um, coming out the first of the year of 2022. And, and I'm pretty um, excited about that for that vision and for these folks to be able to tell their stories. That's what I'm doing currently. And that's um, now mm-hmm. probably everybody's yawning. You know, No, no, it's, it's fascinating because you're at this intersection of science, social studies, lots of different disciplines in education. Yeah. But also you've got this thread running through your entire career of being passionate about space, place, storytelling, geotechnologies to enable all those things to happen. So that's something we'll, we'll pick out. Is how, how did okay. that thread get birthed in your passion for education? And why is that thread such a meaningful aspect to every, kind of connecting everything that you do, this spatial aspect? All right. So let's go back in the day. Uh, the 90s. I was actually working for a certified public accountant. So I was in an accounting firm. And you remember, Joseph, when the PCs first started coming out, right? Mm-hmm. And you remember the first luggable. And it was this massive, you know, and it had 20 megabytes of RAM. And it was like, whoa, this is a big deal. So I was taking that technology and helping the accounting clients to actually begin to integrate technology into their offices, into their work. And so that's how it started. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I mean, I was doing, I was actually even connecting uh, hardware uh, wiring and all of that. So with that all being said, I was doing that. And I was also working with teenagers in the community. And I was like, huh, I love this. I love this technology thing. Don't know where it's going, but I love it. And I love working with these kids. And so I was like, you know what? I wanted to be a teacher actually when I graduated from high school, but I thought "Eh, the teacher teachers, there were so many teachers. I was never going to be able to get a job. So I went to physical therapy instead. Most people don't know that, but anyway, that's where I headed. I did not know that. You did not know that. Um, But Anita, I've got this knee issue. Uh, yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll talk later. <laughs> well, between your knee, knee issue and my knee issue, we'll be, uh, you know. So anyway, so I started thinking, um, I, I really, this is early 90s, late 80s, actually. And I'm like, I want to go back to school and I want to get my teaching credentials. So I did. So there's where it started, right? So I think it was like 88. 89. That's where I went back to school, started working on my teaching credential. And I met a woman by the name of Jackie Kinnick. And I think you've run into Jackie Mm -hmm. in Colorado, but we were in uh, Washoe County, uh, Reno, Nevada. And Jackie and I were in classes together. And her husband, Kyle, uh, was in um, Kyle Anderson. He was in uh, the GIS department for Washoe County. And he kept telling her, Jackie, you need to have this GIS thing in the classroom because he knew Jackie was heading to the classroom as well. And Jackie and I had become friends. And so she kept telling me, so she was infusing me with Kyle's enthusiasm. And she had also run into this man by the name of Charlie Fitzpatrick. And Mm -hmm. she said, you need to reach out to this guy. So it was like 93 I wrote to Charlie. We started communicating via, I think we actually had email. Charlie was able to introduce me 
to another Esri representative and they were able to get me software uh, for the classroom. ArcView 3, ArcView 2, whatever uh, it was. It was, it was one. ArcView 1, oh my. I believe, I think. And uh, I mean, we were, we were early before we got to the formal 3.0. So anyway, uh, Jackie managed to get a grant, et cetera. Then in 95, I, I believe it was in 95, Jackie and I were invited to a two-day education workshop. And I think it was the first one. It was in Palm Springs when the uh, user conference was still mm-hmm. in Palm Springs. And so we went for two days and just were immersed And there we got to actually meet Charlie Fitzpatrick face-to-face and George Daly and Angie Lee had just been hired. So my team, right, we're beginning to get this, um, uh, beginning to meet folks. It was such an exciting weekend and Jackie and I just took it and ran with it. So in the process, uh, I decided to pursue my master's degree in geography with an emphasis in GIS, as much as you could emphasize GIS at the time. And um, so that is basically how that those are the seeds. But did you want to jump in, Joseph, or you want me to keep going? Well, I was going to say that, again, you know, when you were doing this, just for the benefit of folks that are sort of newly into GIS or thinking about going into GIS and realizing there's so many things you could do within five minutes that, you know, you've got instant web maps and apps. This was in the kind of the clunky, kind of not just kind of, this was the clunky days. It was very difficult to get the the, the images registered to your vectors and just to get the oh. software installed. And so Anita and, you know, these other folks that she's mentioning, they were the pioneers blazing the trail to make it easier for the rest of folks listening to this to be able to do what they're doing. And this all didn't just happen overnight. This was years of blazing trails. So again, saluting you, Anita, for the (laughs) countless hours getting this stuff to actually work, not just on the technology side, but then how do I teach this effectively? How do I, yeah, which I know you're going to get into the how you you integrate it into your your classrooms and then in your consultancy. Uh, I, I just, I think back And I had just these amazing students. So we had, when I first went to teach at Carson High School, they had a Mac lab, uh, not a Mac lab, excuse me. They were apples. Um, There were no Macs then. Mm -hmm. Um, That was it. And then we got, um, they hired me to teach typing, but they had 20 computers that they had gotten in a grant and the teacher had, I don't know, subsequently retired. So they were all sitting in the boxes. So I brought those in and I didn't have enough. So I'm like, I'm not teaching typing. Let's, let's teach keyboarding. That's how it started. And uh, so we started that. And then I got a bunch of donated computers. Well, that was uh, because I had 30 kids in the class and 10 kids were on typewriters and the other 20, you know. So anyway, so we kick it off that. And these kids get so excited about it. And so then I start getting all this other software and I'm like, okay, the GIS software, there were all of these other kinds of things like animation. Oh, let's teach animation. Oh, let's teach, mm-hmm. you know, there was no word. There was no Microsoft products and it was word perfect. Remember that? Came oh out. yeah, sure. Yeah. 
and Lotus, one, two, three. So, okay, well, let's teach that. Well, then you throw GIS into the mix. And I'm like, oh, I think I'm going to go a little crazy. So I gave the kids the software and I said, kids, you got to install this stuff and you have to figure out how to kick this thing off. And that's really how my whole, how I taught was I was so busy teaching so many things with the technologies that were not up to the software. They weren't, they hadn't caught up with the software, you know, so we have that whole thing going on Mm -hmm. of the software being really, especially the GIS software being beyond where the computers were, you know, and then finally the computers would catch up and then the software would have to, you know, so we were doing Mm -hmm. that back and forth. So I gave it to the kids and I said, load these. I remember it was Ryan and Jared and, and I had, I had girls and that was wonderful because I was kind of one of the first female technology in, uh, teachers. So I was bringing on girls were like, Oh, well, if he, she can do it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. And so I had classes with all these girls in them, which was amazing. So don't let me forget to, to uh, tell you about the, my Hispanic girls project. So the kids installed the software and do you know what they were using? ArcInfo. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, um, and at the same time, in my master's program, I was using ArcInfo. But Charlie had, um, uh, so I had ArcInfo, because remember, it was like 95, 97, so it was so early. So I was in my master's program, and then I was like, well, this ArcInfo is not going to work so well for the broader group of kids right now. My computers can't really handle it. This that, So I have them using ArcView. Can I just use ArcView in my master's? And they were like, okay, why not? So you guys, you experiment with that. And so at the same time that I was doing that. So that's just kind of a little aside. I don't know if you knew that as mm-hmm. well. No, so, um, So we were bringing this GIS thing and the kids started doing crazy stuff like bird monitoring. They, I would just say, oh, come up with, come up with anything. Tell me. And then we found out that they were going to, in the city, they were going to tear a historical building down. Some of the historical outbuildings, not the historical building itself, but some of the outbuildings. And before the outbuildings were torn down, I was able to take all the kids over and we had GPS units and the you know software and the kids were there and they were recording everything they found in these outbuildings, et cetera. And they were able for the city to map. And I mean, mind you, this was like 97, maybe. And they were able to map this whole area um, before the outbuildings had to go and it became a parking lot, but they were able to restore the main building. So that was pretty exciting. And so for the, the city, the museum, they were able to actually create those first maps of, uh, for the community. There are lots of nice threads in here. First of all, your longstanding love for getting students out into the field and actually working on real world community projects that people actually care about that will make an impact farther than the classroom walls. So that's, that's commendable that you had that vision even back then. At some point in the discussion today, if you could talk about you know, how you've brought that forward. Another thing that reminds your comments reminded me of, you know, with changes in technology, the first uh, 
projector that I brought to a presentation. I, it was on a rolling <laughs> cart. It was so heavy. You couldn't, you couldn't really lift it. It was in a, a rolling cart. Yeah. And then, you know, I would set it up and it had like three, you know, red, red, green, blue, uh, you know, lamps in it. And, and it was fascinating, but uh, it was like, wow, I can, I can, I can do this anywhere with this right. projector. Right. I can present whatever I want on the computer to a big audience. Wow. What a concept. Before we get too far though, talk about your, those, those girls that you had, those young women in the, in the class, the Hispanic yeah. girls and why that made such an impact on your career, but also to their lives. One, um, one of the technology classes I taught was AutoCAD. And um, I was getting, I would get um, Carson City um, because of its placement and because of the tourism industry, we had about a, oh, I don't know, 20% population of Hispanics and they were migrating from uh, Mexico and um, Central American countries. And many of them, of course, spoke English, but parents did not. There was still this a real cultural uh, divide, if you will. Divide's probably the wrong word, but where the the girls would have to stay home um, and and take care of the younger siblings if the parents had to go to work or what have you. So you know, we had this tension, um, you know, built in tension. But the girls were all so bright and so. Um, eager to learn. And so I was constantly having these girls come in during lunch or after school or before school. And then I started the, um, I was given permission to actually teach GIS, real GIS classes, which I kind of blended with the AutoCAD at times. So the girls that I, that I had been meeting through AutoCAD, they were really, really excited about it. And so I, uh, there was a grant from National Science Foundation, so an NSF grant, that um, it was some of the early research that National Science Foundation was doing on, NSF was doing some of their early research on how to keep girls into the science trajectory. They, were, they found that they were losing girls around middle school. They became less interested in science and they would fall off the science, you know, wanting to learn science. And so that was the whole goal of that um, original grant. The original studies that they were doing, et cetera, was for science, math, engineering, and technology. And the acronym was SMET. SMET didn't quite, that did become STEM, by the way. Um, but that was the early, you know, the origins um, at um, NSF in really trying to uh, promote STEM fields and STEM learning. I had a grant, I applied for this grant uh, for my Hispanic girls to provide some things like, let me get them to not take them out of other classes. So we had a 7 a.m. start um, mm -hmm. on the class. We sent buses to pick them up. So they were able to... Um, get to school for that seven o'clock start. Um, I had a Hispanic aide. She was, um, she was very young. I think she was maybe 21 or 22. And uh, she was um, bilingual and absolutely wonderful. Then the other tenant was 
uh, we would provide English language learning at the same time so that the girls can become really proficient in speaking English and Spanish. So they would truly be bilingual. The girls went nuts over this. It was absolutely one of the most fun inspirational classes that I had. And trust me, I was inspired every day by my students. They were so excited about being able to actually see on a virtual map, a digital map, where they came from. We went ahead and we connected it to where they came from, where they were, and what they could do with that, where they were going. And so we had a year-long class. And what we saw, that by that point in time, I was in the high-tech center that was still on our campus um, at Carson High School, uh, but we shared it with the community college. So we were in that campus. The girls would bring other kids. So they were bringing the boys. They were teaching them English during their off periods um, because we had English language learning software, et cetera. And they were teaching them GIS. And um, so they were doing this out in the, um, you know, in our computing area. The So it was very, very inspiring. Every single one of the girls in my program graduated uh, from high school. I still am on Facebook with a couple of them. In fact, going to try and go down in January and have dinner with one of the one of the gals um, whose um, twin daughters just graduated from high school. So anyway, I mean, I'm just so excited. That program, I'm not really doing it justice, but that program was inspiring and inspired the entire school and um, the community was so excited. The senator, our, our state senator got involved in helping the girls and their families. And it just was, it was just such a privilege. I was actually going to ask you later on, what, what's one of the projects that you feel most proud to be involved with? And uh, that's got to rank, I know, pretty highly in your in your list since you're already mentioning it. You know, another thing that I would just want to remind the listeners of, you know, just the, the, the impact that one teacher can have, like you, Ms. Palmer. And I'd also remind people that there's, I conducted an interview with Eric Bushland down in Texas and the yeah. work that he's doing with the students there at Saxe High School. And there are a couple of others in this library that you might want to be mindful of and, and take a listen to or read, as, as the case may be. But yes, I love that story. I actually taught with you yes. in that community college slash high school innovations tech center. Yes. That was a joy. It was. And funny you should mention this, Joseph. So if you give me just a moment. So I kind of diverted. But this anybody who knows me knows that I am not terribly linear when it comes to my communication methods, shall we say. So I started telling you a little bit about what was happening back in the late 80s, the 90s, et cetera. So in 98, Esri, along with National Geographic, if I'm recalling this correctly, had a workshop for 32 teachers in North America. So there were a couple of Canadian teachers. And um, we all met down at Texas State University, San Marcos. Mm -hmm. And I met some people. So I already knew Charlie, Fitzpatrick, George Daly, and Angie Lee, but I met some other folks, one by the name of Joseph Kursky. He was on staff and there were some others. Of course, Joseph is so amazing now, but 
uh, trust me, he was just as amazing then. Oh, so along was, with that was very memorable because we had three weeks, as it, I recall, two or three weeks. It was it was it was like uh, 17 days. And we kept the educators there. And Anita <laughs> and others were very patient, but we had morning, afternoon, and evening sessions. Oh, yes. And after the six after six days, some of the teachers came to us and said, we have to have a break. Yeah. And we're like, oh, oh, okay. So we, you know, Sunday, everybody went into the field uh, on, and kind of did their own thing. But yeah. it was, it was a testimony to your tenacity and, and it was blazing hot down there. And so one of the things yeah. that we said to the educators was, okay, we'll get through this earthquakes activity or whatever activity we're working on. And then we'll get, we'll get to float in the San Marcos river. That was yeah. our, our ooh, oh, we yeah. get to float the river. If we get through this activity. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Continue Absolutely. on. So, so we met Joseph and I met Sarah Bednars. So you're asking Mm -hmm. me for, you know, mentors. So she's definitely my geography mentor. Kay Daly was the principal and head administrator for a school by the name of Bishop Dunn in Mm -hmm. Dallas. Catherine Kiernan was on your team as well. And then I met a whole lot of other teachers. And then markedly, I met another teacher whom everybody thought it was rather cute because his name is Roger Palmer. I was not Palmer at the time. I was Anita Brooks. And um, both of us were the only two single teachers of the 32. Both of us laugh a lot. And I think everybody just thought it was, oh, well. And so there was definitely some machination there to have the two laughing single people be matched up at a computer because we had to share a computer. So we had 16 computers, 32. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember? And so I still have all of those materials. But that was one of the most inspirational uh, two weeks of just this in-depth, immersed GIS in education. And that was um, at, at the start of a relationship with Joseph. And uh, so Joseph and Roger and I, so that has been such an important part of our lives since 98. So the next year, uh, Esri had another uh, scaled back, but it was for teaching and outreach. And we met another guy by the name of Tom Baker. So for those of you who know, Tom Baker, Joseph Kursky, Charlie, George, Angie, that's the education. That was the education team at Esri for ever. Now there've been, you know, George has retired since, et cetera. But what that did for us is Joseph and Roger and I cooked up this notion of let's go out and let's do week-long trainings. And so we did. For five years, we did week-long trainings. And they typically, we started the first one was in Carson City during the summer. Um, We have such funny, actually, we could do an outtake seminar because we have (laughs) an outtake uh, interview here because we have such funny things that we can tell you. But I'm going to hold myself back. So we started in, uh, and then we started moving around Colorado um, the following summers. What that did um, was really, it, it got teachers very excited. It gave them an opportunity to have that same immersed experience that we did in Texas during those hot summers. And, um, but it also, um, I was deep into my master's at that time. It also gave Joseph and Tom and I, this notion of 
Um, and actually, Tom and uh, Joseph were helping me uh, to really articulate what was happening. What were, you know, what was happening with those teachers by the time we were done with that week-long training? What were they doing? Were they using the GIS in their um, classrooms afterwards? So we went back and we did a research uh, survey and wrote mm -hmm. um, a paper on that. But we found out that indeed it did make a difference, that these trainings and GIS did make a difference in their classrooms, but they needed more as an aside. So Joseph and Roger and I, and then we would occasionally have some other folks like uh, Patrick Wigand from England. Um, and uh, he came in one summer and was there with us and helped us. But we would, we literally, the first couple of times, uh, summers, um, I think we counted, we had nine hours of sleep or some, <laughs> some thing in seven We days. don't advocate that for a good, a good work-life balance, folks. Uh, we're no. not advocating that here, but no. yes, just to show how intent we all were um, about this. Mm -hmm. We were, yeah, we were writing <laughs> materials. I mean, on the, in the Yeah, in the evenings to prepare yeah. for the next day. Yep. What that gave us was we really thought we needed proper materials in 2000, 2001. Uh, was able to promote a book idea to Esri. And Jack Dangerman, uh, George, uh, I think uh, George and Charlie promoted it to Jack. Jack said, okay, we'll do it. And so we got together. I reached out to a couple of other teachers, Lynn Malone and Christine Voigt, and who had been using GIS in their classrooms. And we got together and came up with a book. Everybody was there. I mean, you know, the whole education team. And uh, I mean, there were other people involved from Esri as well. But the book was birthed and it was called Mapping Our World. Mm -hmm. And that truly was one of my, I mean, that is, is a, 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 such a tender memory for me. 530 pages. And it was, you know, four desktops, oh, yeah. not mm -hmm. software in there to install, but it was the first book of its kind. And it was a bestseller for Esri Press. I mean, it was, mm -hmm. um, it, it, it was such a, um, I was so proud of that. And so that really started off um, some of the projects that really I feel, you know, very much fill my heart. And um, with that, uh, then uh, we were, we would do the next, you know, our world came from the mapping our world. And that became four books. And Catherine came in and she wrote the fourth one, uh, the spatial, making spatial decisions, I think. So we divided mapping our world into two books. Then we also had an elementary book that a group did. And then Catherine came in and did that fourth book. So that really birthed that next whole uh, section of that so then the next phase, if you were going to ask me, um, you know, what other projects would I be proud of? Mm -hmm. um, I would say that Tom approached Roger Palmer. Oh, by the way, somewhere Yeah, you didn't there, follow it for the, uh, yeah, for the benefit of the listener, the, yeah. the connection. So, Roger and I met in 98, as I said, we uh, started a business, actually, and um, originally it was called Educational Technology Consultants. And I started that in Carson City. 
in Roger and I, along, you know, with Joseph, we would travel and we would do these trainings. And so that was kind of entrenched in this, in this business. And so Roger and I would, you know, travel to different places. We would do trainings, et cetera. And he was teaching, he was a teacher in Grand Forks, North Dakota. And, um, and then at some point he proposed and uh, three years later we were married. So anyway, in 2001, on September 1st, we were married. So anyway, so well, our, I love that is, story too. We, yeah. Anita and I oftentimes when we, when we teach together, we say, okay, take a close look at the other people in the Institute. You may be connected with them in the future yeah. in some meaningful way <laughs> that you're not anticipating right now. You never <laughs> so know. GIS brings people together is in it, lots of ways. Well, and that's one of our favorites. I think all of us say GIS brings people together. Oh gosh, so, that is, that is wonderful. And, and, and as you're saying on the on the innovations, the mapping our world book, the our world book, the the institutes leading through the T3G, uh, the geo inquiries. I mean, so much of that energy, the institutes, the curricular items, the community really is, is ultimately the the what got built, uh, the right. education community that still thrives today and is ever expanding with right. new teachers coming on board and so on. That all came from all these things that Anita is sharing. So yeah. now you now you folks see why I really wanted to have Anita on here <laughs> sharing not just the, you know, what happened in the, in the birth of all this, but why it all matters today, yeah. which kind of leads me to asking you, Anita, given your experience in this area in many ways, I mean, you're touching, you're uniquely positioned. You've touched so many lives, university, community college, high school, middle school, elementary, educators of all levels and in all disciplines, really history, geography. I mean, we're working together on this Duville University project where it's social right. studies focused, but you've worked with STEM um, and I, ICT. Given all of your experience and you've worked with GIS professionals as well. So um, all this leads me to ask you, what do you think we need to be doing as the GIS, geospatial education, STEM education community, you know, as we look forward to, okay, what impact should we be making? Where should we focus our efforts in the remainder of the, I don't know, the 2020s, let's just say. What, what, do, you, what do you think we should do? As you gave me some thought-provoking questions um, beforehand, I was talking to Roger and uh and, I, you know, he's so I mean, we are so enmeshed in the last 23 years of GIS education. So I, I, I said, you know, I, I kind of asked him the same question. I said, you know, what do you think is the most important thing that we need to do? And he said the same thing that came to my mind, which was we need to embed GIS into more classes. And, and, and I'm going to be um, bold and say, we need to embed GIS into every class at, in K-12 so that it becomes ubiquitous. So, of course, we're going to use digital mapping. Of course, we're going to use and and not solely. I'm sorry, I'm going to say something that's a tiny bit politically fraught, not solely Google Earth, you know, or or, or Google. 
I'm a Google user. Absolutely. I will go to a Google map and it's a wonderful product, but I want to have kids be able to do analysis. I want them to be thinking about, I'm going to turn some layers on and I want to do some analysis because I want to see what's closest and what are the factors that are driving what's going on. So I think to do that, which is why I am so um, really excited about the projects um, that I'm working on right now is MapMaker. Okay, let's take that is um, I think will be an absolutely game changer and wonderful product to get all these beginning teachers. They're not beginning teachers necessarily, but they're beginning to use maps or they're not Mm -hmm. using maps. Those are this population, we want to have them wake up and have it be so simple that they can come in and, and they can readily use a map in their classroom. So map maker, just let's get the groundswell mm-hmm. to come up from underneath. And then to be able to have textbooks that have, you know, that of course you're going to have GIS activities for every unit in there and that kids are going to be able to have a, a another look at a map. It's not solely a printed map in the book, you know, or a map snippet. They can actually explore that map and even explore the map for 3000 BCE. I think we need to infuse every content area with uh, geospatial learning and geospatial tools. That's still a heavy lift that teachers are exhausted. They're, they have so much already. However, that's my job. I think that's our job is to make it accessible and make it totally that, of course, I would do this in my classroom because mm-hmm. it's there. It's ready for me. I get it. That's that's where I am right now. And so that would be one of my my goals is to see GIS infused across K-12 curricula. Every every discipline asks or should ask the whys of where even mathematics, um, history, digital humanities, et cetera. So I I love what you're saying. Could you let the listener know just ever so briefly how MapMaker is positioned in your and your way of thinking with the whole progression of using geospatial technologies and how is it different from ArcGIS Online, let's say? Sure. Um, you know, honestly, MapMaker is a basic tool. It is for the basics. We're trying to come up with the basic materials and content that um, folks can use. So it it's just meant to be ultra simple and ultra accessible. So then what we see is that if you can imagine a um, an on-ramp, you know, a ramp up, MapMaker is at the base. So it's the basics of, of that and where we're getting teachers excited about geospatial. And then you know what will happen, Joseph. They'll be going, oh, I want to but I want my students to collect data. I want my students to 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 um, make their own maps and create their own layers. Mapmaker is not made to do that. So we're trying to provide and figure out and ideate how to make a seamless trajectory, a seamless road from Mapmaker to ArcGIS Online. So they are not. Uh, they are not at odds with each other at all. They are 
part of Mm -hmm. a seamless progression. And that is, um, that's the goal is that, you know, we really get this groundswell of teachers excited about geospatial and geospatial learning. And then the kids will drive it from there. Good point. And you've got a link to MapMaker in the resources that you provided. So thank you for that. Okay. What about this, Anita? This is this has been wonderful. And I know that you've got a zillion things that you probably need to do today, but it's really great for you to spend time with us talking about you know the journey, why this all matters. Let's say a person listening to this is a geospatial professional. They like what you're saying. That resonates. They've got kids. They know people with kids. They maybe they serve as an adjunct in a community college, uh, or, or whatever. They're 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 involved with education or they're passionate about education in some way. But they they don't know what next step they could maybe take to be more fully involved because maybe their day-to-day work is working on parcels or or water lines or something like that in their in their municipality or private company or whatever. How could they how could they get involved with promoting what you're what you're talking about here in in schools or colleges? If they had no GIS, I would say my first thing would be to find a mentor. But this particular audience is different. You know, they are this is your geospatial audience. They they have that. I'd still say find an education mentor. Find somebody um, that, and and if that means it's reaching out to Joseph um, to say, Joseph, point me to the organization, get me connected with Anita. And and that's what I do, is that when people reach out to me, I connect them up with somebody in their area, an educator in their area, or what have you. Um, it's, It's so very informal. But we have our, our community is very informal. It's becoming um, a, a wider and deeper. But honestly, all of us have to put, you know, I'll send an email out to a group of people and say, hey, do you know somebody in Iowa? And, and then, you know, invariably Joseph or Tom or whomever will say, yeah, so and so is over there. And then we do an introduction. And it's that informal. But honestly, I think you just, it's just uh, essential to take a deep breath and say, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to call for help. It touches on the whole aspect of the geospatial community that we actually do care about people and we (laughs) want to connect people and we want to help people in their own journey. And also we care about the planet. So we don't just talk about, you know, watersheds and biomes and eco regions and things. We actually do care about all those things. So can you think of any time that you've asked in earnest a, uh, someone in this field for assistance with education or data or, you know, something technical assistance. And they've said, no, I refuse. I mean, I can't think of they may say, well, I don't know, but I can help you find someone who does know the Absolutely. answer to the question, but it's, it is a very kind of a, it's the people. And that's why I love this, this geo inspirations column, because it's, it shows, you know, like Anita Palmer here, folks, that there are people that if you get stuck in your journey or a technical issue or whatever it is, that this community actually does care about you and we want you to succeed. Right. Um, what about this, Anita? This is something I, I didn't actually prepare you for, but (laughs) you've got this really, there's not that many independent consultants in geospatial, especially in education, but even in general, there's not that many folks that have carved out 
this pathway like you have. So let's say someone is really interested. Gosh, I love what Anita is doing. Understanding that it, there's probably lots of challenges to being an independent consultant, but do you have any advice for someone that's really, I really want to do what it, something in geospatial that's, that I'm my own boss, I'm my own independent consultancy. How do I do that? Do you have any words of encouragement? I mean, I'm sure there are lots of uh, positive benefits as you've shared with us, but there's probably lots of challenges behind the scenes as well. And probably don't have time to get into all those challenges, but what would you say to someone that says, I want to be an independent consultant like Anita? You know, it is a business. It is a, the fun part is not the only part I get to do. So (laughs) there is the other part of this that is, um, uh, thankfully, it's a podcast, so you can't see the amount of paper on both sides <laughs> of my desk, and you can't see the three monitors with way too many screens open. I will tell you, it's prepare yourself for a bit of a um, cacophony of information and uh, things to do, and it is, it's really something. If you're up to it, if you are ready to be bold, say, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to make a difference um, in this way, because I know you're making a difference with what you're doing already. That's not the issue. But the issue is, I want to, I want to make a difference in this with kids and teachers and education. Then I'll put it to you again. It's right to me. And tell me what you want to do. And I will help you. I will. It's what I do. I love to um, help others. I love to mentor others. And I've done it certainly a handful of times, gotten other folks off and starting their own business. It's not easy, but it is worth it. All right, Anita. I can't think of any better way to end that with an encouraging word from you and also stick with it hard work, mm-hmm. keep the end goals in mind that you are making a positive difference in the planet and in people's lives. This is so wonderful, Anita. Thanks so much for being with us today. I know there's a lot more we could probably be saying. We should probably have an episode two of Anita Palmer. Oh, please, Joseph. Let's think about that <laughs> for the future. But <laughs> again, I know that the listeners of this will really benefit from all of the words of wisdom and the and the vision that you've shared. And I, I just wish you all the best in the future. Looking forward to fur- further collaborations with you, but all, all continued success to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Joseph. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm.